I, I often sit there and I look, when I try to define this honor, I think the best definition I've been able to use and kind of encapsulate what God meant in that is recognizing the value paid for something. And that is where that that term honor, the, the original Greek of that came. For me, and I've told this to husbands, I, I've honestly told my wife this. I said, I need to, when I'm honoring you, I need to recognize the price that God paid for you. What was that price? The life of Jesus Christ. That's the price. And I need to recognize that in order to honor her, see her as a daughter, as a princess, as a beloved child of God that had the ultimate price paid for her. God loved her. God loved your wife so much that he gave his only son for her. That's the value. Welcome to the Developing Great Relationships podcast, where we are having conversations to help you understand God's design for great relationships and how to develop the habits needed to achieve it. Now here is your host, Joshua Verwers. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Developing Great Relationships podcast. My name is Joshua Verwers, and I'm so happy that you're able to join us here today. On today's episode, Dr. Mark Majors and I are jumping into some powerful scripture that tells us how we are to have a great relationship. That all starts right now. So we left off last time segueing into 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, and like we did with Ephesians, I want to read this through. Uh, this one I actually enjoyed more because where Ephesians had a little bit for wives and a lot for husbands, this one has a lot for wives and a little bit for husbands. So 1 Peter 3 verse 1, it says, Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging of the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them in an understanding way, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together in the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Go ahead and read on just a little bit further. Sure. Finally, all of you, be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Thank you. Mm -hmm. This is a great passage. Lock and load. <laughs> it is a great passage. Last one we started with wives. Can we start out of order on this one? I want to start with husbands. Yeah. I want to start with this one passage that says, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way giving honor to them as the weaker vessel, as being heirs together in the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. 
the first time that I think this hit me, the weight of this, I didn't see the center section at all. I didn't see anything about honoring the wife as the weaker vessel and being heirs. All I saw was husbands live with your wives in an understanding way or else you're hindering your prayers. And I instantly thought there is no use for me to ever pray again because I'll never understand my wife and I'm just going to hinder them. Mm-hmm. What does it mean when it says, cause it's not saying understand your wife, but it's saying live with them in an understanding way. Big difference, big difference. The joke I make is God would never suffer men with an impossibility <laughs> to understand. They're, men and women are made different. Right. <clears throat> We're never told to understand our wives, ever. Wives are never told to understand their husbands. Mm-hmm. Understanding way is an attitude of graciousness it's attempting to know and get knowledge of the actions and attitudes and behaviors of their wives. Okay. Instead of saying, what do you do it that way for a woman? It would say, I've been watching you and I'm curious because I really like what you're doing. Tell me about how you came to the decision to do it that way. That's fascinating. All right. So having her talk about her thought process, having her talk about herself, her feelings, her emotions, listening to it, becoming the wife detective. Yeah, kind of studying our wives, just learning about it. Studying it, yes. Not making the assumption they're just like you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, understanding their emotionality, their nurturing nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, women nurture. Uh, they're very profound at it. And so... Honoring them, paying attention to how they do things, learning about them because you don't know. Yeah. And then honoring them as a woman. Yeah, that word honor, because uh, we jump in here. I mean, it starts off and it says, live with them in an understanding way. And you're saying that's the attitude of understanding. It doesn't mean you do understand, but it means you're trying to understand. That's your intention. But then it goes in and it says, honor the wife. Before we even get into the weaker vessel part, because that's something else we need to tackle, but just the honor aspect. Uh, how do you define honor? Well, the most powerful image that comes to my mind <clears throat> with respect to honor is I am married to the daughter of the living God. Mm. Well, it talks about the heir, a joint heir in this grace of life. Amen. This is the daughter of the living God. And her dad is the creator of the universe. And I better honor her as being that girl, that woman, that prize. You know, um, what a glorious thing to be connected to God through marriage with your wife. Right. Such unity. Yeah. I I often sit there and I look, when I try to define this honor, I think the best definition I've been able to use and kind of encapsulate what God meant in that is recognizing the value paid for something. And that is where that that term honor, the the original Greek of that came. For me, and I've told this to husbands, I've honestly told my wife this. I said, 
I need to, when I'm honoring you, I need to recognize the price that God paid for you. What was that price? The life of Jesus Christ. That's the price. And I need to recognize that in order to honor her, see her as a daughter, as a princess, as a beloved child of God that had the ultimate price paid for her. God loved her. God loved your wife so much that he gave his only son for her. That's the value. Yeah. That's the value. Which then when we think about that, because it says honor, you know, uh, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel. We're not talking about wives being deficient and broken. No. <laughs> the weaker vessel. I mean, no. she's a princess. And uh, you know what? There may be women out there that hear that and they say, well, I'm not this prim, proper princess. Lady, I don't care what you think. I know what the Bible says. And you're a daughter of God. You are a princess. You're a daughter of the king of kings. That's just all there is to it. But you're not broken. Your, your wife isn't broken. What does that weaker vessel mean? Well, people have translated that in different ways. Um, I think there's an element of, as it talks, Paul talks about, the, the woman was deceived. Mm-hmm. Somebody who can be manipulated, that's in there. Physical liability. Okay. Uh, for the most part, um, you know, I can take a good fall down on the ground, bounce, nothing breaks. I can pick up a 15-pound maul and slam it into oak logs and split them. That takes quite a bit of effort to do. Um, and so physically, I'm, I'm stronger than my wife, although we're about the same height. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, and that's even just but, pure but, human genetics. That... Yeah, pure human genetics, but... The one I like is a fine crystal glass. (laughs) Yes. Values extreme. Yes. It's exquisite. Beautiful, precious, functional. Able to hold the liquid without a drop getting out. It's not flawed in any way. Yeah. And... um, I like to think of us as oh cracky mugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think last time we had talked we briefly touched on Colossians where it talks about husbands don't be harsh with your wives. Yes. Um, I think about this with, you know, them being that weaker vessel. Maybe it's just the vessel part that got me thinking of like fine china, fine crystal. Sure, it is the vessel part. Which then makes me think husbands don't be a bull in the china shop. That's right. Don't walk in and cause destruction. I mean, if we're honoring her, realizing, and that's the other part, the honor, the value, the price, fine china is expensive. Those crystal dishes, they're they're expensive, they're pricey, and they serve a great function. And they're desired. Very much so. Desired. There's another portion of that week that I often think of 
but I think it touches on it a little bit earlier where it starts to talk about the wives. Um, so if we can, I want to jump back up there. It starts off and it says, you know, wives be submissive uh, to your husbands. That submissive is the same thing we talked about in the last episode with yes. uh, Ephesians. It's coming under the mission, um, you know, because of the authority structure that God has created. Mm-hmm. But it says to be submissive to your own husband, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they see your chaste or pure conduct accompanied by the fear. That fear, we're talking about a reverential fear in that. And it's basically the respectful fear that you have towards God. Yes. I looked at this one time with really with Genevieve. So before I really got saved, I was, I was in this, am I, am I not going to serve God type of a deal? Um, ultimately I was a rebellious heathen. That's who I was. And Genevieve did not want to do that. She was going to church on a regular basis. Every morning she would wake up Sunday mornings. I'm talking and she would say, Josh, do you want to go to church with, you know, the kids? And I, nope, nope. Don't want to go. But every week she would invite me. This went on for months. Never belittle me, never berate me. She was not beating me up at all. It was just a nice invitation. And then I remember this Sunday where it's two o'clock in the afternoon. She's not back yet. Now it's six o'clock in the evening and she's not back yet. Well, here it is nine o'clock and she comes back and I'm a little upset because now I have had to fend for myself. I have had to fix my own lunch and my own dinner and football was over at this point. Well, I asked where she was and she's like, well, I went to church and we got to visiting afterwards. And so we went out to lunch and we started hanging out a little bit more and then we had dinner and then there was evening service. And we went there and then we came home. And she's like, and I just asked you in the morning if you wanted to go to church. I couldn't really, I mean, I could have got upset, but I wasn't. But I remember the very next week when she asked me, do you want to go to church? I went to church. What had happened in that time was I saw the change and the transformation that she was having. And she wasn't saying, Josh, you're a horrible sinner and you need, you know, a savior. She was just being a a pure chase conduct. Mm -hmm. She was accompanied by fear. She was respecting God. And I saw that she was placing God first in her life. Mm -hmm. That won me over when I wasn't obeying the word. That's the positive side of it. The winning them over when they see your behavior, your attitude. Yeah. It is challenging for women to do that frequently. Because that mothering thing makes them want to school their husband as a sinner. Right. And it's winning them without a word. And so there's this conflict that goes on. They want them to be this way. They want the husband to come back to the Lord or come to the Lord. Mm -hmm. But they don't understand how critical it is for them to live in obedience Because you're saying to your husband, obey the Lord. And if you won't obey him, 
the hypocrisy of telling him to obey. Yeah. It's right there. The fight always happens afterwards. And then there's that interesting dynamic of really hypocrisy in that moment of saying you should be obeying the Lord, but by even telling the husband that's what he's supposed to do, she herself isn't obeying in that moment because she's not commanded to command her husband around. Oh, that's right. And, and I hear frequently some statement like, I just want my husband to step up to the plate and be the man God has called him to be. And they yeah. say this in front of their, their husband. And, and of course, I immediately have to say, it's my goodness gracious, how would you know what that is? <laughs> you know, God has not told you what that is. What that is. And he so, would tell him. So you're saying, really, you would like to control your husband. Yeah. So you want him to be obedient to you. Right. And that has to change first before you can expect a change in your husband. Yeah, absolutely. It, it goes on there in verse 3, talking about the very next, or the chapter 3, the very next part is about the adornment. Um, it doesn't need to be with fine apparel. The hidden person is what we're looking for. That incorruptible beauty, gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Um, what does that mean? That type, I mean, I understand the physical aspect of it, gold, jewelry, that type of stuff. But what is God really looking for that's precious, that, that gentle and quiet spirit? What does that look like for a wife? Oh, it's a wife that is seeking God with her whole heart. Okay. And that humility and graciousness, tenderness and kindness come to every individual who's seeking God. Um, if you're seeking God, you can't help but be filled with that attitude. And so it's that attitude that they're talking about. Yeah. Not a physical appearance, but this person has a heart of service, has a heart to, to pray for, to love, to care. Um, yeah. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that service aspect of it. Because what I've seen, and I've talked to wives that they skip over one part of that adornment aspect because it then goes on very next verse says you know the holy women of old used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husband and so one of the other adornments that they put on it wasn't that they were putting on the braided hair the jewelry that quiet gentle spirit was submissive to their husbands and again we come back into the submission and it uses sarah as an example it says as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Yeah, and you've heard me talk about this. It's little L-O-R-D. And a lot of people don't have any understanding of what this means whatsoever because they have not studied feudal England. Because we got to remember, we're basing this off of the English language and the English translated Bible mm -hmm. first happened in 1611. There in... Yep. Good old King James writing that one. Who was a lord? What was a lord? Lord was the owner of land who had a castle or a fortress. People worked for him. He drew them into the fortress or castle when there was danger, kept them safe. If there was famine, he provided food for them. He cared for them. He was their protector. Yeah. So that's, we're essentially going back to even what we discussed there in uh, Ephesians. Protector, provider. That's right. And so... 
with Sarah obeying him, um, it says Sarah obeying Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. That's right. What does that mean? Because I'm seeing this, this connection. You're being submissive to your husband. Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. In other words, and if we, I could substitute this out, acknowledging he's provider and protector. It says, whose daughters you are, if you do good. And I think another translation, the English standard, I believe says, if you don't fear that, which is frightening. What are we talking about? Fearing, frightening, because it's, it's got to play with this provider, protector, obedience, submission. Yeah, there's a real problem with fear in women. Women, if they're not protected, kept safe, live in fear. And men are fearful. They are warriors. They're not nurturers. There's something about them that I've heard this over and over. This, they can be afraid of their husbands. If there's a problem and the husband starts to get serious, angry, if there's danger and, you know, he's mobilized and willing to even take a life to protect his home and his wife and his children, they're a little bit fearful of all that. That really rises up in the the man. And um, so there's something about the very nature of men that are fearful to women if they allow it to be, if they don't understand all these things that are going on. The Lord of a castle could come lop your head off Mm. if you were doing something wrong. If you were poaching the king's deer, you might not do so well. Right. And so... Being in that authority, if you violate and do not submit and you try to usurp the authority, you could be afraid of bad things happening. Yeah. And, and when that happens in a marriage, usually there's conflict. Right. Yeah. And so that's how I perceive the verses. I've seen that play out in people's lives. Yeah. And, and I've talked to men very seriously about failing to be protectorate, that their wife is afraid of them, the situations and everything. There's no effort by that man to keep her safe as a Lord would do. And that's where I think there's this, this play here that Peter is pointing out. He's talking about the one aspect Sarah calling Abraham Lord, recognizing that he was the provider and protector. But Abraham needed to do that when Peter talks about this, that we're to honor our wife as the weaker vessel. There, That weaker vessel, I kind of look at that, not just with the vessel aspect and the value that's paid and how precious she is uh, and the function that she serves, but there's a delicate um, component mm-hmm. to her. Yes. Then, and that's where it talks about this fear. Yes. That, that fear can utterly crush and destroy her. And I need to do everything I can to protect her. Yeah. When women become afraid, they do one of two things. Most of the time they will hide, shut down. Sometimes they fight. Mm-hmm. 
And so um, we need to recognize that there is a propensity, if not protected, for that fear to rise up in them. Fear right. rises up, cortisol, adrenaline runs, the brain quits working, decisions are bad. Yeah. And so um, he's telling women to be careful. Don't give in to fear. Don't give in to things that are frightening. And, and there's the responsibility for the husbands too to be able to see is this situation that my wife is heading into, is this a fear trap? Is this going to hurt her? Oh, live in an understanding way, hey? <laughs> <laughs> it's all starting to piece together. Yes, it does. I, I know this is a, a kind of a sticky place where my wife and I, we've went through this. There are relationships that she has, or has had, I should say, that these relationships caused her lots of pain, lots of fear, because she would go into them afraid of what they would say and how they would react. And as a husband, it's hard because um, I would sit there and I would tell her, it's like, I'm not going to boss her around. I'm not going to dominate her. I'm not her God. And she ultimately needs to be able to make those decisions herself. But I have a responsibility to be obedient to God myself as Amen. well. And so what I've often done is I've told her, Genevieve, as your husband who is called by God to provide and protect you, I think that this is a dangerous situation and it's going to cause you harm. Now you need to decide what to do. Mm-hmm. Of course, she's gotten mad at times because she knows that means I'm saying I wouldn't go if I were you, but it helped to be me for me more than anything to see this in context. I'm not trying to dominate her. I'm not trying to make her my slave or, or a subordinate. I'm, that's not what I'm doing. I'm trying to honor God. I'm trying to really obey him and say, you have given me a responsibility to honor my wife as the weaker vessel and realize there are things in her life that can be very destructive and I need to protect that. You are commanded to do these things. And she's cautioned to listen. Right. I like how you had pulled this out and you said, let's read that last little portion because that really ties this bow up on the husbands and wives. Finally, all of you, all of you, you. (laughs) be of one mind, having Mm -hmm. compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil, not reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. This goes back to what we talked about with the intimacy exercise. You know, it's, it's the prayer of blessings. It's doing that. It's what we talked about in Ephesians, how we're to love. The wives are to respect. That whole thing. And it's not that just husbands are to love. We're all to love. We're all to be courteous. We're all to be compassionate. And we're not to repay evil for evil, which... When we do the intimacy exercise and the ouch oops, that's right. we're not getting into that evil for evil. That's right. I think this might be a good point for us to wrap this episode up. Mm-hmm. But with that repaying evil for evil, it gets me thinking about what does love actually look like? We should get into that. I think uh, 1 Corinthians 13 sounds like a great stop for the next, next episode. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll see you there. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I know it was a great conversation for me to have with Dr. Mark, and it's got a lot of information about the Bible and how scripture actually can help us to have a great relationship. Ultimately, that's what we do here at Developing Great Relationships. And if it's something that you're interested in, we host seminars all year long. You can catch us on our website for more information. Just go to dgrpella.org. Until the next episode, we just want you guys to stay blessed and have a great relationship.